Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Teaching chose me and I'm going to choose it back instead of teaching happened to me and I'm the victim of this role and, and the administration is doing this and they keep doing this and oh, this parent and this email, it became, no, I, I choose this profession. I get to teach. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity and I'm going to take it. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. You know, during my 12-year teaching career, it seemed like there was always something throwing off my lesson plans, my mindset, or my goals. And when I began to burn out and tried to talk about it, all I heard was, join the club, go for a walk, have a glass or three of wine. This is just the way it is. The current challenges you're facing, distance learning, new technologies, higher expectations, discipline issues, a personal crisis, a global pandemic, All of these challenges make your everyday life seem unmanageable. Until now. Teacher burnout has been hacked. In Hacking Teacher Burnout, I share my eight-step process that shines a light on burnout as an opportunity for growth and change. And in it, I empower you to become burned in. A fulfilled, happy, efficient, and effective teacher in the classroom and human in your life. You'll learn the steps you can take to feel ready for the next challenge, take actions based on your burnout type, thrive, not just survive, both professionally and personally, and cope with any challenge plus much, much more. Hacking Teacher Burnout is coming out in September of 2020. So go to htb.burnedinteacher.com and get on the waiting list to be the first to know when it releases or place a bulk order for your staff. The burned in process has empowered teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life. And I know this process that was built to help you go from isolated to empowered whenever you need it will work for you too. Go to htb.burnedinteacher.com and of course, burn on. burned in teachers welcome to the burned in teacher podcast this is one part burnout and all other parts action inspiration and support for teachers dealing with burnout i'm amber harper your host and i empower burned out teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life with my eight-step burned in process and today i have on the podcast Jen Molitor, who is actually the author of a book called The Happy Teacher's Handbook. So I can't think of a more perfect guest to have on a podcast that's dedicated to the happiness and fulfillment of educators. As an educator for 18 years, Jen has enjoyed teaching in the classroom, being a gifted intervention specialist, being an instructional coach, and most recently, she's switched her role again into becoming a principal. 
Her recent Amazon number one new release, The Happy Teacher's Handbook, shares strategies for inspiring teachers to find a reason to stay and make their impact on the world one class at a time. And as you'll hear when Jen shares her story, she was at a zero. She was at a stage zero. So if you yourself are a stage zero, one, or two of burnout, this is a great one for you. And if you're looking for validation that you're not crazy and that there's hope for you, if you are feeling like your only option is to quit, this is definitely the episode for you. I would also say that this episode is for all of you burned and over it teachers. Those that are surrounded by negativity, apathy, you don't feel like you're making any difference in the world. This episode will for sure help you to act, think, feel, and believe differently as you go into this week of teaching. Now, if you're listening and you're like, what the heck is she talking about? Stages and burnout types. Go to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz. Take the free six question quiz. You'll get your burnout type. You'll get an ebook that helps to walk you through these different stages of burnout. And then I want you to go to burnedinteacher.com, click on podcast. And on the right side, you're going to see categories of podcasts that are for specific types of burnout and specific stages of burnout zero through five. And if you don't know what I'm talking about still, listen to episode 70 where I lay all of that out for you. Finally, before we jump into this interview that I did with Jen back in March of uh, 2019, before the pandemic, quarantine and remote teaching is concerned, I want to again apologize for my sound. I'm in the middle of taking care of some sound and microphone issues, so I appreciate your patience with that. But just like I said in episode 74, we're going to do the best we can with what we have where we are. And that is one thing that we can for sure control is to just say, done is better than perfect. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you. The sound is much better as I'm talking with Jen. She is going to leave you on fire for figuring out what you can do to be a happier teacher, no matter where you are or how you are teaching your students this year. All right, let's jump into this interview with Jen Molitor. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the Burned In Teacher podcast today. I'm so grateful that you're sharing your time with us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Well, go ahead, Jen. Tell us a little bit about your history because I've been reading up on you. I've been literally reading your book and it's so inspiring, but I want to go way back to your teaching journey. Where did all of this start? Well, if you want to go all the way back, it started when I was eight. Um, I wanted to be a teacher um, because I wanted to use a red pen in grade papers and wear <laughs> heels that click in the hallway. <laughs> so I think a lot of girls can relate to that. Yeah. Um, so that, I think it was second or third grade. Um, and I just had made that decision and I wanted to be a teacher. And I never looked back until college when everyone told me, do not be a teacher because you won't make any money. Don't do it. And I listened to them. So the first semester I majored in business. And then after that semester, I was like, no, this is not right. This is not me. I'm jumping into education. And so I jumped in and then um, only looked back when I got burned out. Started teaching in 2000 uh, in a third grade classroom. Taught for nine years in third grade. Took a year off when I had my son. And went back teaching half-time second grade, became a gifted intervention specialist, um, and then kind of transitioned to, to an instructional coach. And that's where I am now, still a GIS and instructional coach. Mm. You and I have that in common. Um, I taught third grade for about four years, three and a half years to be exact. 
And um, I was also the high ability teacher. And that was, those were my favorite years of teaching, not because I had the high ability class, but because of, I was able to use my, my true talents with them. And I worked with a fantastic team of teachers. We were really good friends. So that's interesting that you and I, and I really, honestly, I pursued um, some uh, coaching opportunities, you know, technology coaching, instructional coaching. And unfortunately there just wasn't anything available for me. So you and I have that in common. I'm so glad you shared that with us. So tell us a little bit about if, you know, you were following your passion, you wanted to be a teacher since you were eight, you really, you really pursued this opportunity to have a huge impact on your students and in the um, career of education. So what happened then to put you into the state of burnout? You know, when we're hired and we're first year teachers, we're fresh, we're right out of college. We're so excited to make a difference, have our own classroom, design our bookshelves and, you know, just set everything up. (laughs) And I remember working until 8 p.m., planning with some of my colleagues who were also first-year teachers. We would order pizza and plan these amazing units, and it was, it was fun. Um, well, then, you know, year after year, and then you get married, and you're like, well, I can't stay here till 8 o'clock every night anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have kids, and then that really, that was a huge damper for me. Just number one, being pregnant and teaching is hard. <laughs> it's super hard. Girl, um, preach. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so like, I, I never anticipated that. And then there is the demands of teaching, the, you know, the testing, the meetings, the things that you never learn in college or anticipate that that would be a problem. And then difficult parents. Um, I remember the one, the, the first parent who made me cry and I ran into the hallway and I was just, I was a mess and I happened to run into my principal and he just looked at me so compassionately. (laughs) He was like, oh my gosh, do not let her get to you. And so he kind of gave me a pep talk, but oh my gosh, we still, we feel that. And it's, Mm -hmm. there aren't any classes to help us navigate these tricky conversations with parents or if someone has a disagreement and and I don't know, you just kind of feel attacked personally and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So all of that started layering up you know, the pressures for testing. We had, um, I I had a Spanish minor in college. Mm -hmm. And so I would get a lot of students who spoke Spanish in my class. And so one year I had eight who only spoke Spanish. And we had a new goal for the reading achievement test of 95% passage. Well, I did the calculation and based on my eight who didn't speak English, I mean, it wasn't realistic to think that I could get them to be proficient. I mean, I was a good teacher, but I, I, that's a lot of pressure. So mm-hmm. I was in the principal's office crying that I would single-handedly bring down the whole goal for her whole building. And he's like, Jen, just do the best you can. But we take ownership of our kids and we want to do a good job or sometimes type A, we are pe- perfectionists. And it's like, ah, so all of that just kept layering. And I just got to the point where I could, I didn't feel like I could give it 110% anymore. Um, and then I got pregnant and I feel like that's really when it got real, you know? So that's when I started thinking I wanted out. So help me understand. So how many years before this happened, how many years had you taught? So this was eight years of teaching. Okay. okay. And I would say by year five, the infamous five-year mark, right? <laughs> so 
help me help me to visualize what that was like for you because I can definitely relate. Although my husband and I had already had a daughter before I started teaching, and then I got pregnant with our second daughter my first year teaching, and did not have a pleasant first year teaching experience. If you've listened to my story at all. And so I was already going through burnout before I even got pregnant. But then whenever I, you know, I think this is something that is definitely not talked about enough are the emotional and hormonal changes that happen to these women, this woman dominated occupation when it comes to, you know, having a family and doing this incredibly hard work. So what were your first signs that you had that you were like, things are different. Like I feel different. I'm thinking different. I'm believing different. Walk us kind of through what, what that was like for you. That excitement, that freshness, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't there as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of it was the interactions with my colleagues were different mm-hmm. instead of, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to plan this mystery unit. It was, oh my gosh, this parent emailed me again. And I've got all these copies and we have a meeting. They didn't even put that on the calendar. And it was all of this like negative, just, oh, we would leave meetings and talk about the, you know, the curriculum director wants us to do what? And does she even know what it's like to be in the classroom anymore? And it was just all of this. And I found myself like, just, it just doesn't feel good. You know, when all this negative talk is going on and I found myself in the middle of it and wanting to gossip and wanting to be like, oh my gosh, did you hear what she said? And when you kind of, you're in that, it kind of feels like that's what you should be doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. It feels good. People can hear you. Yeah. You yeah. feel validated. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Somewhere deep down though, we know that there's something in us that knows that that's not, this isn't where we belong. This isn't right. It feels good in the moment and we feel, feel validated. But mm-hmm. if, if we really tune in, we know that there's something not right about this. And if we can pursue that uncomfortable little feeling that, Ooh, maybe this isn't right. It'll lead us down the right path. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think we find ourselves in that position. It could be often. And I just been in, I've been in a lot of staff rooms and coffee rooms. And, um, I just want to put that out there that if you are feeling that pursue that, like mm-hmm. go after that, because that's going to point you in a different direction that could turn you around. So what you just said reminds me of step three of the burned in process, which is reflect on your challenges and be a seeker of solutions, right? So pay attention to those things that are, that are challenging you and give them the respect that they deserve rather than just kind of wallowing in those things. So you had your son, you took a year off with him. Did that help you or was it harder to come back after being with him for a year? So leading up to that year off. Mm -hmm. I would say from that year five to eight, it just got, it's like you're, you're climbing that mountain of despair and doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. And so it just got worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I think I had changed teaching partners and there's just lots going on. There's stuff going on about a levy in our district. Um, the intensity of testing and the, just the demands of, of things were piling up. And when I got pregnant, I had a hard pregnancy and ended up um, missing the first two days of school. Like what teacher misses the first two days of school? Well, I had a migraine for two days and I couldn't do much about it. They, they didn't want me taking any medicine. And mm-hmm. um, I remember the, the assistant principal was, I, I'm in bed with the pillow over my head 
and the principal, assistant principal calling me and saying, Jen, do you like, what, do you know what this could be? And I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> How far along were you? Oh gosh. I, I wasn't 20 weeks yet. And so it was kind of uncomfortable that that's how I had to tell him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just felt like, so how do you leave sub plans for the first few days of school? I just felt like, how do you recover after that? Well, I was sick a lot. I remember driving to work, like with my window down, trying not to be th- throwing up. I'd get to my, uh, my friend's house who lived a few minutes from school and laid on her floor until, I, until school was about to start and then I could drive. So it was, it was just a mess of a year. And then finally, um, when I was like eight months, seven, eight months, um, they put me on bed rest because I was just so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I, they, they're like, you can't teach, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. So that was the year before I took the, um, that was the year before. So then I had my son and I came back that next year and I cried a lot. I felt that the torn feeling, I used to be able to put so much into teaching and now I had this baby who I, I didn't want to stay until five o'clock anymore. I, I wanted to be home with my baby and it was hard to leave him. And so that just added to everything. So I got through that year and that's when I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I'm going to take a year's leave. But in that year's leave, it was, I'm getting out of teaching year's leave. Mm, okay. I, I studied nutrition and I, I got certified in nutritional therapy as an out. How are you talking to us today then, Jen, if that is the direction that you went after that year's leave? This is so interesting to me. You actually pursued a new career. So tell us quickly about that and that decision. And then what brought you back? When I took that year's leave, I got certified in nutritional therapy. I came back after that year half time. So I was teaching second grade part of the day. And then um, being a mom and then working on building nutrition practice. And in that process of building a business, I went to lots of like business building workshops and um, just growing uh, personal development courses and just how to, you know, be more confident and, and all that kind of thing. Well, in that process, I learned a lot about me mm-hmm. and how to be a better teacher. You know, as I worked with women on how to change their diet, yeah. I, I loved working with them and, and helping them grow and learn and just connecting with them and building relationships. And it, so I came to this point where I was ready to build my business more. Like I was making money and I was re- I either needed to choose and leave teaching to really give this my all or let go of my nutrition practice. And that didn't seem right because I'd been building it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say after three years, for three years, I, I needed to make that opportunity. I was going to make a big investment in my business. And I was like, okay, do I do this or, or not? And when I really reflected on where I belong, it was in, in education. It was supporting the mission of educators everywhere to grow our kids and to just make school enjoyable and a better place. And I was like, what? I belong in school. I've been trying to get out. So when I just had that realization, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm kind of hardwired. It's in my DNA to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so when I had that realization changed and I was like, wait a minute, teaching chose me and I'm going to choose it back instead of teaching happened to me. And I'm the victim of this role and, and the administration is doing this and they keep doing this and all oh, this parent and this email, it became, no, I, I choose this profession. I get to teach. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity and I'm going to take it. So I was in a, 
a district that was a, a top Ohio school. Um, and it was an amazing school. I had so many opportunities there. Though I just wasn't feeling fulfilled in, in I guess, using all my strengths, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'm super creative. I love planning. I love supporting teachers. I love to do things that are different. Um, I don't know, like a before school reading club for gifted kids. Like that's kind of out of the norm. Um, it's usually help for kids who you know, are struggling. But I wasn't, it wasn't encouraged. I guess as much because this was your role. This is what you need to do. It was a big school and uh, a job opening came up closer to where I live, which was like 40 minutes from where I worked. Yeah. That's what I was going to So I pursued it mm -hmm. and um, my kids went to the school and I thought, well, what do I have to lose? I'll interview and see what's happening. Well, it was kind of a part-time-ish job, not quite full-time as a gifted intervention specialist. It's a much smaller school. Um, just there, there were a lot of things they hadn't had exposure to that I've had with, you know, my, the opportunities in this other district. And I literally wrote pros and cons down on paper and was talking to my mom and my husband. And I was like, I don't know what this decision is on paper. It says, don't go because, um, I, I was working more, getting paid less. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like there's just so many things I was like, ah, I don't know, but it came down to a heart decision. Mm -hmm. And it was just when I sat with it and they were my, I know, someone said, you know, if, if you were making the same pay, what would you do? And I was like, oh, jump. Like I would go. It's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to save money and gas because, you know, you're not going to be driving as far, you know, um, you're going to save time in driving as well. And so Angel get more snow days. And <laughs> I, was, I mean, I was, it came down <laughs> to snow days. That's definitely a perk, right? Right. What's interesting so about what you're it. saying, if you don't mind me interrupting you, so you just said that on paper, it was telling you not to go, but you were listening to your heart. And I know this from reading a little bit of your book here, that you were a fan of this woman, Marie Forleo. <gasps> Yay! And yes. I know in her book, Everything is Figureoutable, she talks about paying attention to how your body reacts when you say or think about making a certain decision. And I think that is so powerful. And I've even talked about it on the podcast about when you're thinking about making a tough decision or doing something that's scary, pay attention to how you feel when you say that thing or think about that thing. Like, do you become like hunched over? Or are you like feeling like you are invigorated or like empowered, you know, how does that, how does that feel? Because your body reacts. In fact, we were just talking last night on a burned in teacher, um, tribe forum call about how your body, your body will literally react to certain situations. Um, so it's so interesting that you, that you say that about how it was like on paper, it says no, but gosh, do I want to do this thing? It just feels right. So I'm guessing that you made the change. So tell yes. us about this experience. And then I would love to hear about how the Happy Teacher's Handbook came to be. So I started that first year uh, and it was, it was different. I had to meet a whole new staff, um, get used to all new different procedures. Though my, my outlook was different, it was, I'm, I'm choosing this. I get to have this position. Mm -hmm. And it became more of how can I help the teachers in my district? Like I know where I've come from 
And I'm, I'm at this like pivotal turning point in my career where I'm excited to actually be here mm -hmm. and I want to make a difference. Like I want to make a, even a bigger impact. And I feel like I've got some things, I, I feel like I've been aligned on this path now and it feels really good. Like it, all the signs, the stars and the heavens are all telling me this is the right thing for you to do. So keep going. Mm -hmm. So I, it was a hard first year um, getting to know teachers and developing trust and building those relationships because it's a very small town, um, small community. And, you know, I'm, who is she coming from? Who, you know, who knows where and, you know, what, what is she going to be teaching our kids? That kind of thing. And, but over time, like I started building relationships and getting into classrooms and it was more of how can I help you? What, what can I do? Can I lead a mindset lesson in your classroom? And they're like, sure. Yeah, come on in. And so I just, I became really vulnerable and I was like, let me, I'm not perfect at all. Uh, so how about I come in and just show a little bit of my style and how I connect with kids and let's see what happens. And so then teachers started asking like, Hey, could you come and do that lesson in my room? Um, the principal came in and saw me and she sent the superintendent down. So it's like, I don't know, my first couple months of teaching and the superintendent walks in while I'm teaching. I'm like, Oh my goodness. This is either Hello. really good or really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just, people started, I, I think just noticing like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to help you. Like what, what can I do? And then over the, the course of a couple of years, um, they just started asking me to do more things and help more. And I was just all about serving, mm -hmm. I think is what it is. And, you know, how can I serve you? Because we're all in this together. We're all in this to help kids. And so here's my part. And maybe I could do this too, to help you out. Mm -hmm. So now my role is really messy right now. We actually just had a meeting about it today <laughs> because the lines between being a gifted intervention specialist and instructional coach are really blurry right now. Mm. And I want to make sure that I'm still serving my kids. Um, so we're, we're dealing with that right now, but the things that I've accomplished and the, the thing, the ways that I've grown in the past four years are extraordinary. Uh, I wrote a book that wasn't on my radar. That's pretty monumental. Other school. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, where did that come from? Uh, so I, I wrote this book. Um, I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm almost finished with my administrator licensure. I wanted to get curriculum director licensure because I really love curriculum. I've been on seven podcasts now. I have spoken at state and national conferences. That was never on my radar at this other school. Um, I've led parent seminars and workshops. I've, I'm leading professional development. I've been paid to lead a differentiation workshop at some schools. And mm -hmm. that feels incredible. That was never, that was never on my radar before. So the things that have been coming my way and the way that I've grown and developed as far as a leader, I've never considered myself a leader. And now I'm like, I'm a, I'm a leader, you know, and, and an educator, like an innovator, I'm a change maker. And now I'm just super identifying with that. Like, and I love when you say, you know, to, for burned out teachers, if you want to share your story, be prepared to seek solutions because we don't just vent about it, but we, you want to help them turn it around. And I'm such an advocate for that. Like if we have problems, okay, let's get those out, but then let's find solutions. Let's see how we can turn that around. It's so much better on the other side. Mm. So in those four years, when, when I made that heart decision, I feel like when you make decisions based on your heart, there are things that open up that you never even 
had in your realm of thinking. And now all of a sudden there's these opportunities and you're like, I think it comes from aligning yourself. Like when you're on target with what you're meant to be doing, mm-hmm. the world answers and says, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's funny because um, a, a couple of things. Number one, you said you are a leader. Um, and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on Valentine's Day, actually. Uh, the fact that teachers, sometimes when I talk to them, they say, I'm just a teacher, so it doesn't matter. You're a leader because you have a choice. You can go down two different paths. You can choose to lead yourself to greatness. And greatness is subjective. It's whatever you feel is great, right? You don't have to seek gold stars and seek you know affirmation from other people, which is typical of a people-pleasing perfectionist, right? You want those gold stars. But you can choose to lead yourself down a path of greatness and success according to you and your purpose and your goals, or you can choose to lead yourself down a path of misery. And trust me, when you compare these different, even Instagram platforms, you know, leading yourself to greatness and positivity is not as popular as leading yourself down a path of misery and of victimization, right? So, um, so that I wanted to make sure to highlight because I think that's so smart. But the other thing that I was going to say is that you, you do have a choice. You talked about this earlier that you know, you, you choose to teach here. We were talking about this last night too. It's so funny that you brought this up that you can change your thinking and your beliefs about your situation. I chose to be here. When you open yourself up and make those heart decisions, that's your purpose trying to come through. And that's where your body will physically react to your decision and you open yourself up to all of these possibilities and opportunities that you never thought possible because you're listening, you're paying attention to what you truly want. You're not, you're not lying to yourself and always thinking about, well, what's, what would other people want me to do? You know, that's what we, we consistently battle with, right? So you are bringing up some fantastic points. And I think this lends itself too, to one of the things that you wanted to talk about today with your book, the happy teacher's handbook is, you know, you, you said here, what do you really want from your career? Because you're in charge. I mean, you, you clearly have this path for this book and I'd love for you to now sort of elaborate on what you feel are the most important points that you'd like to share with teachers today. Because just like me, I mean, you're, you're living this you know what this is like. And you made a choice now to not only change your beliefs and your thinking and your actions, but you chose to write it down in a book to share with other people. So let's hear all about this. The book commenced my my journey a little bit from being this burnout teacher to turning it around. And a lot of the strategies that I used to do that, I remember telling my principal, we were brainstorming how to help teachers. And I said, you know, I feel like teachers could benefit from more personal development versus professional development. And she's like, she kind of looked at me and she's like, no. I was like, okay. (laughs) But what I mean by that is we need to grow within our profession, like personally, not so much in reading strategies or differentiation or assessment. Like, yes, yes, yes. That's all going to be there. And yes, we should be growing. However, the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we interact with our colleagues, the, the way that we can either lift someone up or get sucked into the negativity, we get to choose that. And I didn't know that when I was a young teacher. I mean, think about it, coming out of college, you know, that, that 
-hmm. There's not like a transition period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know that I could choose to not be sucked into that. I didn't know that I could have a good relationship with administrators instead of choosing to feel victimized by everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are some elements there that when you, you know, I've worked with a lot of coaches just to, to help grow your business. They work with you on your, you know, your confidence and believing in yourself and choosing your mindset and opening yourself up to these possibilities. Well, it's the same thing with teaching. If we get sucked into that everyday bull, we're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's this, it's kind of mainstream that when you work at a school, there's this certain negativity. There's this certain view people think about this certain teacher as, oh, she's terrible. And then you view the administrators as they're doing this to us and that the school board might be out to get us and that the legislators are against teachers and we don't get pay and we don't get, we're not valued and we're underappreciated and oh, like, all of that can weigh you down. However, we have the choice to think that way and to accept that mindset. Mm-hmm. Girl, I'm telling you, preach it. Because what you're talking about here <laughs> is your choice to think, feel, and believe these certain things. And have you ever heard of the reticular activating system, which if you've read Everything is figure outable, you probably know all about it, is when you think, feel, and believe these things, your brain goes, I'm looking for proof. You're right. And when you do that, you're doing nothing but finding evidence to support these negative thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And here I've been saying for the last few weeks, and I just learned that I was a little bit wrong. I used to say that 80% of the thoughts, well, 80% of the thoughts that you thought yesterday, you thought today, like you're thinking these thoughts. 95% of the thoughts that we think if we're not conscious and intentional and disciplined in what we think, feel, and believe, 95% of them are negative. And, and that's what I, that's what I experienced a lot in my own teaching. And because I'm an empath, (laughs) I was just like sucking it all up. And that's what I felt. And I just thought that that was normal and doesn't have to be the reality. So really deciding, am I going to settle for these thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, or am I going to choose something different for myself? Because it ultimately is up to you. So do you have any certain steps or any certain parts of the book that you'd like to pull out to share with us today? Yeah. Um, So something that I learned is that we can shift our perspective. I remember a friend once telling me that perspective is fleeting. And I thought, what on earth does she mean by that? Um, and I, cause I was having a really great day, but sh- what she means is that your perspective can tarnish something or shine a light on something. And so if you had a really rough day and you're just like, what, right, we just found all this evidence of how terrible our teaching life is. Mm-hmm. And we come home and we just start venting and we're like, and this is why my job sucks. And I need to find another career. Well, it's just going to, pull us down. So instead, there are lots of different ways we can shift our perspective. And instead of being sucked into that bad day, we can find some things that went well and get pulled out of it. It's almost like we're in this hole and someone throws down a rope, we climb out and we're like, wait a minute, it's not all this bad. Mm -hmm. So some of those things are, one is listening to music. Blare it, sing it, dance, be funny. If you've got kids, turn on some, we have our little dance mix that we sing to and dance to. 
but dancing and singing totally shifts you. And all of a sudden the day wasn't so bad. So that's kind of a fun one. You can do that in the car. Mm -hmm. uh, another way um, is to think about three things that did go well today or this week. Very intentional, very purposeful, like, okay, what did go well? And there was a time when I, um, a friend was on the phone with me and I was in the hallway at school and she was like, Jen, you need to think about something positive right now. You need to pull yourself out of this. And I was like, there's nothing positive about today. And so she wouldn't let me go until I told her. And I said, fine. There was a groundhog that ran out in the middle of the road and I didn't hit him. And she goes, okay, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so really, mm -hmm. it can be anything. But find some things that you're grateful for to help turn that around. And that does help. Another thing is to think about a kid at school who really needed you today. Mm. Think about that one kid that you had that one teeny interaction with. It could have been a smile. It could have just been like a little nod, like, oh, I totally get you, hon, <laughs> whatever just happened. You said their name in the hallway and they just looked at you like, oh my gosh, she sees me. Mm -hmm. Look for that moment and let that resonate with you. Let that fill you up because that kid needed whatever you just brought today, even mm -hmm. if something else happened in that meeting or whatever was totally terrible but go with the things that are going to lift you back up. Um, and then the other one is, um, I love yoga, um, or just exercise. Go for a walk. The exercise, the blood flow, that, that can turn you around. It so literally changes your brain when you have that movement yes. in your life. Mm -hmm. It's not about being fit or skinny. It's about changing your brain. It's about that blood flow, right? I want to pull something out of your book that you wrote that actually two things. You talk about Michael in your book, and we all have a Michael, right? But what I think about from my perspective is the teacher that is that Michael that has a story that we don't know the backdrop of. And I almost like get emotional thinking about it because we think that we know people. We think that we know these students' stories. We even think that we know our administrators' stories. And we're making judgments, you know, and, and I even talk about, you know, in, um, in the burned in process, understanding your teacher brand, you know, and a brand is a prediction people can make about you by, you know, repeated interactions with you, you know, um, however, we still don't know what brought a person to behave and think and feel and talk and do the way that they do. And so you talk about um, here, you have, I'm just going to read these right out of the book. You said, so Michael did something and you said, I wanted to defend him and lessen the consequences. I wanted the administrators to go easy on him, to understand that he's hurting, feeling broken and needing more support than, um, than being suspended. And when I think about that, I definitely have students that come to mind because you you know at least a little bit more about their story than, than other people do that are making these judgments and these decisions, you know, of consequences. And, um, and that's how I feel about teachers that I work with. You know, I, I think that everybody has the story. We're all fighting our, our own battles, you know, and, and then you go on to the next page, you say, what's your story? Why do you stay in teaching? In times of doubt or stress, remember, we've all got the stories that make us want to quit, but I challenge you to go into that heart place and find the stories that make you want to stay. 
And that was really powerful to me because it's all about the stories that we tell ourselves over and over and over and over again. And I loved that you, that you started your book out. I mean, this, this is on page eight and nine. So it's a great way to start the book and really lead in to these. Um, and then you go into your myths, you know, these different myths that we have. And oh my goodness, I just, I was reading through these. I'm highlighting all over the place of these, these biases that we have about not only students and administrators, but even about ourselves, you know, and our own beliefs about what we can and cannot do and what we can and cannot believe and what we cannot can and cannot achieve. It's just, it's a phenomenal read, Jen. So I'm so glad that you came here today to share this with us. Is there anything else that I left out or that I didn't give you a chance to share today before we sign off? Well, I want to share with your listeners. um, I know you talked about never settle. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to leave them with, you know, if there's a part of you that's feeling like you are burnt out and, and you're like, you kind of feel like you're stuck you got yourself into this, you're 12 years in, 15 years, 18 years in, and you're like, I, my heart doesn't feel like it's in it anymore. Something is off, something's not right, and I wanna love my job again. Tap in and figure out what is it that you do want? What would make your heart 100% in? What has to change? And if it's a job change to a different district, a different position, a, a fresh start, Maybe you want to actually implement a new project or do a new, like add something to your plate that you love. Maybe you want to teach yoga to kids after school. Maybe you want to do a running club after school or a STEM. Who knows? Find that thing that lights you up, that lights your fire and pursue that because you are in charge. You mm-hmm. are empowered. You are in charge of your, your career direction and you're in charge of how happy you are at work. So if you are unhappy, what would it take to make you happy and pursue that? Mm. I love every single thing that you just said, every single word. You and I are so on the same page because, and really what you're saying right now, it really reminds me of, have you taken the teacher burnout quiz? No? Well, you wouldn't. You're not burned out, right? But what you're saying here, especially um, when it comes to finding something that lights you up again, find that thing that, you know, that lights that spark, it reminds me of um, burned and bored. You know, if you feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions, like I feel like I've got it all figured out. I'm a little like I'm unchallenged. Like I don't want things to be hard, but I want a challenge of some kind. You know, those, those little things that you do even outside of school can really reignite your purpose. Uh, so what you're saying is so 100% true. So Jen, tell us how, um, tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can find your book. Um, tell us all of the handles and, and websites and email addresses and all of the good stuff. Okay. Uh, you can find me on the web at happyteachershandbook.com and you can actually download the first chapter there. And I've started a blog. I've got one whole entry, nice. um, but I'm excited, excited about sharing more in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Twitter is probably my most active place. It's kind of my newfound favorite, like educational mm-hmm. fun thing. Uh, and that's at teacher renegade and I'm on Instagram though, to be honest, I don't check it super often, but that's at teacher, uh, that's at renegade teacher. So flip them around and what else you can find me at the happy teachers book, um, on Facebook. And then if you want to connect with me via email, um, I'm happy to, um, 
chat with teachers. If you want to run something by me, you've got a big decision coming up or you're like, I am stuck and I've got this opportunity, like email me. Let's see if we can walk through it. It's um, liftupleaders at gmail.com. I love it. Jen, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your wisdom and experiences with us today. It's really going to be very helpful for teachers that feel like they're settling and they need to take some steps that might be a little scary or different. Thank you. So there you have it. You have many things that you can do within your control to become a happy teacher with all of the advice that Jen gave you from the Happy Teacher's Handbook. What I love about her story is she was at a stage zero. She was so deep in a stage zero that she actually tried to start a new career. And my goodness, if this isn't proof that you can truly decide to choose teaching if you want to, then I don't know what is. <laughs> you can find all of the steps that she told you to take today at burnedinteacher.com. Click on podcast and her episode is episode 76. In the show notes, you'll also find links to all of Jen's resources and ways that you can connect with her about how you're becoming a happy teacher. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to go into our Facebook community, community.burnedinteacher.com, and I want you to share one thing that you're going to try that Jen suggested today. If you are at a stage zero or one, what are you going to do to move to the next stage with her advice? And I'll see you next week when I share with you my conversation with my friend, Sam DeFilippo. He's actually a teacher that I worked with as a coach here in my hometown, Fort Wayne. And he's gonna share with you some advice that he took from me and how that advice has changed the way that he plans ahead for not just his lesson plans, but for his life. And until then, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on everybody. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on.